Hi, everybody. This is your cousin, Brucey, and you are listening to TV Confidential. And now, not confidential, here's Cousin Ed. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television that will welcome Emmy Award winner Ron Bacon in our second hour. Ron spent 35 years working in network TV production, mostly with ABC Television in Los Angeles, where he worked behind the scenes in many capacities, from stage manager to associate director to director and writer and producer on more than 12,500 TV broadcasts covering such genres as variety shows, variety specials, live events such as the Academy Awards and the Summer Olympics, and even some of the iconic TV game shows produced for ABC by Monty Hall and Chuck Barris. Ron's career with ABC began in the days of live television, making him one of the true pioneers of TV. Ron will share some memories of the shows that he worked on and the stars that he worked with when he joins us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that coming up later on in this hour. We will welcome award-winning producer, director, and philanthropist, Suzanne De Laurentiis. Suzanne is the host and producer of Suzanne's Saturday Night Scares, a new series on Apple TV and Amazon Prime that pays homage to classic horror movies from the 1970s. Suzanne's love of horror movies began when she was a young girl, when she watched Dark Shadows every afternoon. Talk about that and more when Suzanne De Laurentiis joins us later on in this hour. We hope you'll stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, we will open up this hour by playing part two of a conversation that began last week with Howard Storm and Steve Stoyer. Howard Storm's credits as a TV director include nearly 60 episodes of Mork and Mindy, while Steve Stoyer is the author of Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House. Steve Stoyer, also the co-author of Howard Storm's memoir, The Imperfect Storm from Henry Street, to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career as a stand-up comic, as an improv performer with the committee, and his three decades as a film and TV director. The Imperfect Storm, available right now through Bear Manor Media. We might recall that we started talking about Howard's years with the committee as we ended last week's program. As we pick up the conversation, when you first started performing with the committee, Howard, you know, coming from coming from stand up, which is a different type of comedy because you're you're you know, with, with stand up, you're doing prepared material versus improvisation. You're reacting to what your improv partners are doing on the stage in the moment. Did you have to make an adjustment doing that or did it come natural because you have funny bones and funny is funny? Well, no, but I did have to make an adjustment. Uh, it was a totally different kind of thing. Um, from doing stand-up where the material is set. But I found it exciting, and I felt like I belonged. Didn't it took you say me a while. At first, there was resentment or resistance from the seasoned yes, improv yes, players because you were just this Catskills guy. Yeah, I was. That, that was the attitude. <laughs> you know, he, he's a Catskills stand-up comic, and he's going to be doing you know, this kind of material with us. So at first there was a lot of resistance. But I just kept going. I ignored them and kept doing what I had to do. And then you ended up teaching it. You were so yeah. good. Yeah. You shared what you learned with others. Yeah, well, I, well you know, I, I learned and I was open to learning. 
And I was asked by Chris Ross, who sadly enough died at 24 from an overdose, uh, to replace him, which he didn't have a right to do. So um, Alan said, no, he can't tell, you know, bring somebody in to replace him. So he and Rob Reiner came to see my act at the Playboy Club uh, on Sunset. And based on that, I was invited to join the group. The other thing I'm thinking aloud is, in a way, in, when, when you started doing improv, even though you were, quote-unquote, a comic from the Catskills, in, in a way, improv was not totally foreign to you, Howard, because a good stand-up has to know how to think on his feet when it comes to dealing with hecklers, and you were very good at that. Mm-hmm. That's true. But it was a totally different kind of, of uh, performance, you know, going from stand-up and I, I never thought of myself as a Catskill comic. You know, I was a stand-up, uh, and I worked the Catskills, but I worked uh, all over the country, including The Hungry Eye and Mr. Kelly's. So it was not... I didn't see myself as a Catskill comic. I understand Cary Grant was a big fan of the committee. Yes, he was. He was there every Friday sitting in the first row, and he would scream. And then we'd be in a lobby and we'd be talking, you know. And he'd say, you guys are just wonderful. I tell you, you make me laugh. I can't believe how funny you people are. (laughs) (laughs) And somebody wrote above the urinal, I don't know what the hell it meant, but it said, Ronald Reagan cornflake. was written above a urinal <laughs> and Grant came out and said oh my god that's the funniest thing I've ever heard <laughs> Ronnie Reagan <laughs> I gotta call Ronnie and tell him <laughs> Ronnie yeah he called him Ronnie <laughs> Howard Storm and Steve Stoyer are on the line with us Howard and Steve are the co-authors of The Imperfect Storm, From Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career in show business, including his years as a stand-up comedian in nightclubs all over the country, as well as his years performing improv with the committee, as well as his prolific work as a director in television, including almost 60 episodes of Mork and Mindy, The Imperfect Storm, From Henry Street to Hollywood, available Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. You know, Ed, you were talking about having to make decisions and solve problems. Yes, which Howard did all the time when he's a director in television and, as we mentioned last week, which he also did on several occasions when he was a member of the committee. Howard, didn't you get a lesson on Rhoda about at least pretending that you were making a decision even if you couldn't because otherwise the crew would be freaked out? Yes, yes. Actually, that was on Doc. I oh. thought if if the scene was going well and I didn't say anything, then it looks like I wasn't directing. So one day I found an excuse, and there was no reason for me to give them a note, but I gave them a note anyway just because I felt I should be directing. 
And on the way home, I was driving home, and I thought, what a stupid thing to do. You know, you're such a schmuck. <laughs> don't, you know, don't ever do that again. And that was the end of that. But I felt oh, yeah, like an editor that feels like they're paying me to cover this in red ink, even though it's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think you told me about... On Rota, there was a veteran crew member that said, like the uh, red shirt or... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said to me, you're going to be directing next week. I said, yeah, he's an old-timer. He said, do you mind if I give you some advice? I said, no, not at all. He said, they're going to ask you a lot of questions because you're the director. They said, do you want the blue jacket or the red jacket? Pick a jacket. It makes no difference. You can always change your mind later because you're the director. So we're on stand. I tell this to, um, to Valerie. Valerie Harper, yeah. Because Valerie and I were close friends. So they said to me, where do you want camera B? And I yelled, red jacket. <laughs> <laughs> Valerie I think the lesson was you never... You never want to say, I don't know, yeah. or I can't make up my mind, because then the right, proof. Right. Yeah, that was the premise yeah. of it. He said, yeah. don't ever tell them you don't know, because you'll scare the hell out of them. You're the director. You know everything. Yeah, even if what you say is, talk to the gaffer. I mean, at least you're, at least you're given an answer. So if, if you don't know the answer yourself, Howard, you know who probably will know the answer. Yes, yeah, you know, and... Uh, you're so well protected there. You know, you've got old timers who have done movies for years, and they're, you know, they're all around you, and they're not going to let the show go down the drain. The director can be a perfect idiot, and uh, they, you know, they'll save them. Or an imperfect idiot. That's right. Or an imperfect storm, which happens to be the name of Howard and Steve's book, The Imperfect Storm from Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard's life and career on stage as a stand-up comic and in front of and behind the camera where he was one of the busiest directors in network television. The Imperfect Storm, available hardcover paperback and as an ebook through our friends Bear Manor Media as well as Amazon.com. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. You mentioned Doc. If I remember correctly, Steve Martin, before he became Steve Martin, did an episode of Doc, didn't he? Yes, he he played uh, Doc's son, who was a priest, who wanted to be a stand-up comic. <laughs> <laughs> and we all went to see him at a club in the village. And uh, I had, uh, I hired uh, Bud Friedman to be the MC. Oh, the the uh, from the Improv. Yeah. So that was a big stretch for Bud playing the MC of a comedy. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, Ed, I should mention that in addition to the book, there's a filmmaker named Brooke Wolf who recently completed a documentary called "Eye of the Storm," which is about Howard and his life, and. I don't know when it'll be available to the general public or streaming or screaming or whatever it's called. But <laughs> it's, it's been winning awards at different film festivals, and I saw a very polished rough cut of it a while back, and it was really wonderful. So I think there'll be 
have a spotlight on Howard as people see the... There's some wonderful stuff in it, including a thing that he and Robin Williams did when Howard was planning to go into directing commercials, mm-hmm. and Robin agreed to horse around with them on camera. Yes. So there's some rare footage in the... Uh, I've, I've I've seen that I've, I've and I and I I was not aware of Eye of the Storm. I will look for that. I will look for that, and maybe when Eye of the Storm comes out, we'll have you back on. We could talk some more. I think okay. I don't think there's ever a shortage of things Howard can talk about because as he rockets toward ninety, believe it or not, and uh, he doesn't have to pay twenty eight million dollars to Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a remarkable man who has had an astonishing, astonishingly rich life, and uh, I can't imagine him running out of things to talk about. Dovetailing on what Steve just said, what do you do to stay in shape? What do you do to take care of yourself? I play tennis. Cool. And I know someone he plays tennis with, and apparently he's still quite good. (laughs) (laughs) Just connecting with the ball, you really don't want to play opposite him. Yeah. Well, that's that's great because that keeps you going. That keeps you. It, it's great exercise. It, ex- it it works out all muscles of the body. That's great. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I love it. We've talked about just some of the comics that you've either worked with or you know knew personally while, while you're performing both in New York and and on the West Coast. I don't remember. I don't know whether you you mentioned him in the Imperfect Storm or not, but uh, I understand one of the comics that you were particularly influenced by, Howard, was a guy named Jackie Miles. Yes. He was extremely talented. And what he would do, which amazed me, I would, if the audience got loud, he would get softer. And he would force them to come down and listen. It was amazing. Yeah, that's like that's really smart. I mean, the only other people I know who know how to do that are teachers. <laughs> you think about it, you know. It really is brilliant because instead of trying to out scream someone and just escalating things and saying, "Hey, goddamn it, I'm standing here and I got a stuff to tell." Yeah, no, he would just get softer yeah. and softer, and he there was something about him that was very special. I, I thought he was great. Another guy who maybe people may not re, uh, recognize his name, but I understand he was also someone that was an influence on you early on, Howard, was a guy named Lenny Kent. Yes. Uh, Lenny, actually, Lenny Kent and um, Jackie Miles were a team at one time. Ah. So it's interesting, you know, that both of them were an influence on me. Lenny was very good, and Jackie, I thought, was brilliant. There was something about him that's an attitude, a soft-spoken, very low-key comic. But he got the job done. And I understand that one of the things that made Lenny Kent stand out from his contemporaries is if he's playing you know one night and a couple came in 20 minutes into the show he would recap the show for them yes 
Yeah, you tell them what they missed. It was <laughs> it was brilliant. Yeah, it really was. He yeah. said, you know, you missed. I'll, I'll tell you where you came in late, so I'll tell you what you missed. <laughs> and he would go into the whole thing. They had the dancers were on, and then the girls sang two songs, and uh, then you came in. <laughs> How important is it for a comedian to have their own point of view? Oh, extremely important. Uh, that was one of the things that Jack Rollins pushed all the time, uh, constantly saying you have to have your own point of view. What is your point of view? And for a while it was hard for me to understand it, coming from my background, and then finally it made sense. Yeah, because, you know, I, I dare say there aren't a lot of comedians who grew up in the rough streets of the Lower East Side and, you know, not to repeat ourselves, but it is on your resume, Howard knows what it's like to stare dead on at the, at, at the business end of a gun. So that's all part of what makes you you. I guess. <laughs> you, you know, usually when a comedian says, I killed, he doesn't mean it literally. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, and just thinking aloud, I mean, I know in in a way, Richard Pryor, what made Richard Pryor Richard Pryor was the fact that he would talk about his own vulnerability. Yes, and Richard was very close to my friend at the time, Dave Astor. Mm -hmm. And Richard would come to my apartment, hang out with Dave, who was living with me at the time, and Richard would do his material for us and you know and we would say great this is great this doesn't work take this out and uh, it was very interesting there was an esprit de corps back then yes actors supported each other comics supported each other didn't they yeah yeah i remember rodney coming to my apartment and asking me to listen to the materialism to do that sunday on the uh Ed Sullivan show, and he ran the seven minutes for me. I listened to it, and I said, Rodney, it's great. It is interesting that we think about the comedy world as kind of cutthroat and people stealing each other's material and egos bumping into each other, and, that, you know, there's certainly a, a certain degree of that, but it's refreshing to hear that people were supportive of each other and not just trying to you know, it is not enough to succeed, friends must fail, kind of philosophy. Yeah, yeah. Well, at the time, there was a place in the village called the Duplex. And um, on any given night, you could see Joan Rivers, Woody Allen, Dick Cavett, me, Rodney. It was amazing. You know, there was a little club upstairs, seated, I think, 40 people. And, you know, you could walk in any night and see maybe all of us or just three or four. Didn't you say Joan, River, Joan Rivers cried when Rollins and Jaffe signed you but not her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she said, well, what's going on? I said, I'm with Rollins and Jaffe. And she said, you open Rollins and Jaffe. <laughs> Why didn't they sign me? Hmm. It was bizarre. Hmm. Well, I guess she made up for it in, in yeah. 
We mentioned, in, in addition to The Imperfect Storm, which is Howard and Steve's book, the story of Howard's life and career, and Eye of the Storm, the movie, the documentary about Howard that is coming soon and that we're looking forward to. We should, we should also add that Steve is also the author of Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House, another great a memoir which is available through our friends at Bear Manor Media. And I understand there may be a movie of Raised Eyebrows in the works. Raised Eyebrows, the movie, yes. It is in active development, and we have a script and a director and are in the process of putting the elements together and hope to get that going soon. And it will be positively surreal to see some young actor playing me at 20 when I had my mutton chops and... (laughs) mustache and all that. (laughs) But you know, we were talking about generosity versus ego. One of the things that someone recently asked me about Groucho's personality and, you know, beyond just the reflexive, brilliant comedian. And I said, one of the things that impressed me and that I've tried to carry through in my life was that Groucho was scrupulous about crediting someone who said something funny or memorable. Most or a lot of comedians, if they heard something funny, would just kind of take it and make it their own. Yeah. But Groucho would say, you know, Robert Benchley had a funny line, or Woody Allen had a funny line. And that way he's, he's able to get the laugh but give the credit where it's due because he had respect for writers and for the talents of others, and he was comfortable enough in his own ego that he didn't need to steal it. He said, Robert Benchley said, my health is perfect except for an occasional heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so Groucho could have taken that as his own because, you know, he was old and getting infirm and he could have just gotten the laugh, but instead he had to credit the author of that line. And, that, and, and in fact, he much preferred the, uh, the company of fellow writers because they were more stimulating to him and had interesting things to say. And he tended to think of actors as kind of vacuous and egotistical. So even at MGM and the commissary, instead of sitting with Garbo and Gable and Joan Crawford and Robert Taylor, he he would rather sit at the writer's table and talk about politics and gossip and things like that. The Imperfect Storm? From Henry Street to Hollywood, the story of Howard Storm's life and career on stage as a stand-up comedian and in front of and behind the cameras, one of the busiest directors in television, The Imperfect Storm, available through our friends Bear Manor Media as well as Amazon.com, Raised Eyebrows, My Years Inside Groucho's House, also available Bear Manor Media, Amazon.com. Howard Storm, Steve Stoyer, always a pleasure to have you on our program. I look forward to your next visit. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty Group, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time homebuyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk 
at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.